Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the Badass Ladies Club. How excited. I mean, can we cheers on this for just a second? We have mimosas. Uh, To celebrate, obviously. Grounded. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, My name's Laurie Wallace, and this is my bestie, Jessica Weckerlin. Hey, y'all. And this is the Badass Ladies Club. So this podcast has been a labor of love, a passion project. I want to say for somewhere around two years now, we've been talking about it, trying to flesh it out, trying to decide what it's about, um, trying to name it, trying to, you know, oh my like gosh, all, all of the, the things. Um, <sighs> and now we're here and are recording. Yeah. And, uh, dreams come true. Y'all you, yes. uh, keep working your work. Yeah. Um, when we first started talking about a podcast, I literally, um, envisioned us in our pajamas in <laughs> your yoga room at your house. And here we are in a recording studio, in an studio, yeah. you know, in our little black dresses with mimosas. So this is a little surreal. I, I love it. It's good. So yeah. Badass Ladies Club is founded in this idea that, uh, being a badass lady in today's world is something worth celebrating. Absolutely. And that in order to be your most badass self, what it requires of you is healing yourself and big time accountability with yourself and the support and love that you can only get from other badasses in your world that are doing the same work. Right. Your tribe is so important. Who you surround yourself with is critical to your growth as a human being. Totally. And so the Badass Ladies Club podcast is all about creating that community of people that can support one another. And for us to get down to the nitty gritty of like what our own healing has looked like in hopes to give others permission to find their own path to healing and to embrace their own badass, uh, person inside of them. Um, so yeah, that's the general gist of it. And we're going to kick off every episode to, by celebrating our badass of the week. Um, there's countless people that can be celebrated like this. Some of these people are going to be, um, celebrities or people that maybe you've heard of. Sometimes badass of the week is going to be some regular old person that you've never heard of before that we feel like is doing really awesome badass things. Um, we had a plan for our first badass right. of the week. Um, and then immediately had to change plans because just a day and a half ago, we lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I might cry. I mean, like I'm already a little (laughs) bit emotional about it, guys. Um, It it was intense. Like the idea that she was here and fighting and holding on uh, for the greater good of humanity was inspiring for me over the last several years of her life. You know, like we all watched her fight um, to survive and to make things happen. Um, And then to hear that we had lost her. Uh, it was a shot to the gut. Absolutely. Um, by the time you guys are hearing this recording, you know, it'll probably be be a few weeks, a few weeks, but you have to understand with us recording this right now, this is still very fresh. When I had heard the news, I was actually on my way to Laurie's house and, um, I just happened to look at my cell phone real quick. And my aunt had texted me, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died 87. And I was immediately a wreck. I was literally one exit away from your house could have been in Laurie at Laurie's house in three minutes. Easy. I didn't care. I called you right away. And this tells you, you know, when you have a best friend that you vibe with connected, she immediately picked up the phone and just said, Jessica, and I, we both knew we, she knew why I was I knew calling. Why she was calling. Like, yeah. I knew what that voice was on the other end that she had just found out as well. And we had this whole plan to do work that Friday night and we it all work. went out the window and we drank margaritas <laughs> and cried instead. We did. So, so I want to connect to this idea of why Ruth was kind of the OG badass ladies. She she was the OG for sure. Um, we would not be living the lives we do today without Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mad respect. I mean, we both have our names on our mortgages. Yes. That wouldn't happen without Ruth. Yeah. Um, when I was pregnant, you could have fired me, Laurie. Yeah. Like, um, you know, um, 
it, it just, it blows my mind. And it actually kind of breaks my heart for like younger generation of women who don't know who she is and the importance of her legacy. So I think that we maybe owe it to every young person, you know, I don't care who you are. You need to know who Ruth Bader Ginsburg was and that nothing would be as you know it without her. No, she, um, was, also so much like the work ethic that I feel like I've always tried to embrace, you know, where Ruth had a family and she had a spouse and she had friends and she had children and she, uh, was a paragon of care for the people in her orbit that she loved and that loved her. But she also worked tirelessly at the Harvard law review and obviously was a Supreme court justice. And performed in her career at the highest levels that you could perform as somebody in the law arena. And, um, the fact that she was able to do those things and do them alongside having the family and the circle that she had, like she did it all. Right. So two things on that. First of all, for those of you who are watching, or maybe if you're not watching, Laurie and I are wearing the closest thing we had to dissent callers in honor of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We actually, the, the night that we heard she passed, um, ordered as started shopping things, um, RBG related as possible. I'm wearing my RBG pins, um, that I've actually had for a while. And Laurie ordered mine on the way the other night. Yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, we were talking about tribe in the beginning and that Ruth had a family. Mm-hmm. And I think that, One important thing to note is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg also had the backing of an incredible partner who was really a feminist before men were feminists. Totally. And um, I know that that can be a bad F word sometimes in today's political arena, but um, Ruth's husband was her ultimate cheerleader and he made it possible for her to be the woman that fought for us. Absolutely. And, um, and she did fight like she, her whole message of dissent, I think is really powerful for me because, um, going with the flow and doing what everyone around you is doing is so, um, easy. Yeah. And she refused to do that. Not just when it made sense, but when it didn't make sense and when it was really hard, you know, and she was the only one that was willing to say, no, I don't believe that. And no, I will not support that. And yes, I will fight to make sure that what this country represents for freedom and equality is something we're actually doing in practice. And, And, you know, what I loved about her was that she didn't just fight for women. She made it clear how gender equality if we didn't have it, it would harm everybody. You know, at one point she even represented a widower Mm -hmm. who, um, lost his wife. I believe his wife died during childbirth. And so here he was a single parent and, you know, um, he didn't get the same social security benefits. Had it been the other way around, had he passed away and his wife survived, um, his wife would have gotten social security benefits. He was not awarded those same the benefits same benefit, yeah. and Ruth Bader Ginsburg went to bat for him and said, this is not right. Mm-hmm. He is a single parent. He is the primary caregiver of this child. He should be, you know, given oh. the same rights. So, you know, I feel like she kind of has this, um, reputation as just fighting for women. Right. That is not the truth. Absolutely she not. fought across the board for everybody, no matter what's between your legs, what color you are. It did not matter. She was all about equality across the board. And I actually named my dog after Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Indeed. Um, her, her name's a little different. Yes. Um, I named her Ruth Barker Ginsburg, obviously (laughs) RBG for short. Um, so we call her Ruthie and she is, um, she's a namesake and yes, I'm telling you just, it's been like a day and a half. Yeah. Every time I say her name now, it strikes me in a little bit different place in my heart than uh, when we had Ruth OG around. So, um, here's to RBG. Here's to RBG. Cheers. May we all uh, strive to be as badass.
Yes. And dang it. I wish I had the quote printed out and I don't want to misquote her, but she did say to stand up for what, for what you believe in, but do it in a way to make that inspire others, others to, to join, join you. you. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what we're going for badass in the Badass club. Ladies yeah, Club totally. is that um, we want you to join us, but we want to do it with empathy and understanding. And we are going to be um, respectful, even of those who we may not agree with. Totally. And guys down the line, there may be some episodes where we have people on that we don't see eye to eye with yes. at all. Um, we don't know for sure, but we've talked about it. Well, we want to do that on purpose because yeah. I feel like it's so easy for you and I, part of the reason we have a podcast dream is that it's easy for us to talk to each oh, other. God. We see and eye to eye on yeah, most we see alike. Right. Um, but how, and that that is, um, easy when you're trying to share a certain perspective, but so much of what's going on in today's world is about how do we move forward with people that have a different perspective. And if there was anything that really hit home with me, the idea of like being on the Supreme court and having to argue with people that look at things differently than you do. But the objective is that we all come to some sort of middle ground of understanding. Um, that only happens when you talk to people that you don't agree with. Absolutely. Um, and that we, um, in future episodes really intend to challenge ourselves and force ourselves to be uncomfortable enough to talk to people that we look at things differently about and start to understand one another a little bit. Yeah. And if there's anything we can do to help promote her legacy, I feel like it's that, right. you know? Um, and you know, I, I almost don't want to talk about it anymore because I know I'm going to cry. <laughs> Let so, it out, girl. um, but let's talk a little bit more about Badass of the Week. I want everybody to understand that Badass Ladies Club is not just about ladies. Nope. Um, we also have a lot of badass men that I mean, we will be celebrating totally. as well. Um, our producer, Paul. Honorary member honorary of the Badass member. Ladies Club. What's going on? What up, Paul? <laughs> um, anytime you hear that uh, we're spinning off and getting too lady happy, I definitely want you to throw in that badass men's perspective because yes, we need that in our do. lives. <laughs> So, I got you guys. All right, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Not let you down. All right. <laughs> good deal. Um, you know, Aubrey. Uh, my husband, Aubrey. Yes. yes in uh, Badass Ladies Club for Life. And we have a few um, men lined up that totally we may honor as Badass of the Week if in future episodes. they're brave enough to get in here with Ooh. us and talk. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I already think that a couple will. Oh, I think, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be it's fun. It's exciting. It's good yeah. times. Yeah. So, um, so let's get into this first episode. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the Badass Ladies Club, like we said, is something that we've been kind of brainchild working out for years now. But there was, you know, 2020 being the year of um, looking inward a little bit and having time and space to do that. Uh, definitely quarantining and not working for 10 and a half weeks it motivated and birthed this idea of the podcast on a whole new level for me. I know okay. where it went from something that we were just talking about doing to something that like we had to do it. It was like breathing or yes. sleeping or eating. Like we had to do it. Yeah. Talking about this podcast definitely went from, at least for me, I can't speak for Laurie, but for me it went from like, yeah, maybe one day mm. when I have time, which right. is never <laughs> like, that's never going to happen. happen. Um, to COVID lockdown happening and us losing our minds. Totally. So <laughs> backstory, uh, Jessica and I both work in the salon industry. Yes. Um, we have known each other for how long now, Laurie? It has to be close to 11, 11 years. years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're both in the salon, salon industry. Um, I have been working at our salon for 10 years since the day we opened it. Well, it will be 10 years, December 6th. Right. And I'm at around 11 plus years. So with uh, the pandemic raging on, obviously like personal care services where you have to be in close proximity to people, um, that was something that was not an option. And we live in Texas. So when Texas put in the mandatory stay at home orders, obviously salons were not able to be in operation. We were closed for about 10 and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, and I remember when they first closed the salon, I was kind of in this 
numb space where I was like, okay, so we'll be close for a few weeks, you know, like we weren't in denial by any means, but I remember calling all of our guests March 19th and saying, we'll be back to work April 1st. April 1st. Like it'll be fine. You know? Um, and that did not happen until much later. So let's talk a little bit about quarantine and just the phases of all of that. Right. So literally in a matter of days, I went from traveling the world, um, living my best life. I, right the week before we locked down, I was in LA with two of my best friends having the time of my life, um, eating the best food, going to the Grammy museum. I saw the Amy Winehouse exhibit. It was the best day of my life. Um, I had just gotten back from Costa Rica with you and Aubrey. We went on vacation. It was the best vacation of my life. I want to go back to Costa Rica ASAP. My happy place. Um, and I was gearing up for what I had planned to be the most successful year of my hair behind or of my um, career behind the chair as far as doing hair goes. Um, we had. You remember we had that jam session where you and I got together and we like planned 2020 out to, to a, a T. Man, we had like every month we had different Vaca- promotions. Yeah, like, we were where we needed to focus. We had social media strategies set we up. We were like, going to New York Fashion Week. Yes. We were going to, you know, um, have all these advertisements and promotions like Laurie and I at the end of 2019 took 2020 very seriously. Very seriously. The year where we were going to make, we were going to blow up blow this. It out of yeah, the water. totally. Um, and then we and, closed for two and a half months. And then literally within days I was sitting at home depressed, feeling empty, depleted and feeling like a total failure because I knew that those things wouldn't happen. Well, I, you know what I was so aware of is that there was this big push for everybody to um, work from home. So, you know, people that were previously doing their job, What's that like? they would just work from home. <laughs> and in our job, you know, like most of the work from home I did became just calling people and telling them that we weren't there and that I couldn't really reschedule their appointment because I didn't know what was happening. And that big... Uh, uncertainty hanging out there, you know, after, like you said, we thought we were going to be back to work in two weeks, but after two weeks went by and then I realized that, oh, now it's a new month. So now we're in April. Um, I don't know when we're going to reopen. And so having these constant conversations with dozens of clients every day who were obviously needed to get their hair done, um, we're scared. We're also trapped at home. And us not being able to give them any certainty on when we would reopen. I remember every day I was like, surely it'll be next week. Surely it'll be next week. And then after like five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, like I started to panic, panic and lose it a little bit where I was like, oh my God, what if it's months? What if it's not till next year? You know, like when will we go back to work? And well, because in what we do, we literally cannot socially distance. No. Um, I'm a hairdresser. Laurie is a makeup makeup artist artist, and she runs our front desk and you're in people's faces like the time in close contact, touching them a lot of times, um, which has always been one of my favorite things about our industry is I've said, you know, like people need touch and they need uh, care in a very intimate way that they get in a salon that you don't get anywhere else. And because we live in this world, we're like touching people and being in that intimate space with people is a lot less than it was, let's say 10 or 20 years ago, um, that people critically need that. And that now we're in this space where touching and being close to people is totally off guards. Um, that, That was hard on my mentality of what it was we offer to people on a daily basis. So like what was besides calling clients and telling them that we could not do their hair, what was your daily, what, what was your quarantine like? So my quarantine in the beginning, I think was really hard for me because I, well, first things first, I lost, um, my beloved dog, um, my poodle in December of 2019. And she was the best. She was the best dog I've ever had guys. I'm not going to lie. Um, she, so everybody like immediately with quarantine was like, Oh, my dog's so happy. And we go on three walks a day and we're doing this with my dog and this with my dog. And so that immediately was really hard for me because I was like, Oh my God, I don't have 
like I can't hang out with my friends. I can't go to work. I can't do it. And my husband is a bicycle mechanic. And so in transportation, you know, like they were a essential service. And so he would go to work every day and I'm really busy. Like I like to be busy. I, this woman does not stop. I can't, it's like, it's hard for me to stop. I like productivity is, uh, like checking things off on the to-do list. Productivity is Laurie's love language. It really is. (laughs) So I would make to-do lists and I definitely like rearranged closets and worked in my garden and tried to do things, all the things that you say you would do if you had more time. That was the stuff I was trying to do. I really love being at home. Um, sometimes on weekends, I don't leave the house at all. You know, like the idea of staying at home all day, every day feels warm, fuzzy to me because I'm so busy and because I travel so much in my career, but to shut it all down like that and to be at home all day, every day, I took naps, you know, like I binge watched some TV shows, um, but not having a dog really laid heavy on me. And I know that I definitely talked to you and definitely a lot of people in my family over the course, I want to say about five or six weeks into quarantine where I went back and forth, guys. I was the heavily productive Laurie and I was baking bread and I was cleaning closets and I was doing the gardening on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, like I was literally a blubbering, crying mess, calling my friends, talking about going and buying $3,000 poodle puppies because I was, because I don't have a job right now. I got and one of those phone calls. yeah, like I, nothing seemed to make more sense to me than to have something tiny and lovable that I could cry with on the couch because yeah. I was, um, so back and forth and there was no rhyme or reason to like one hour I would feel great. And then the next hour I could not stop with the crying and the, pacing and the not knowing what was going to happen. Because, um, if we're being honest, I'm maybe have a touch control freak in me as well. Maybe Maybe a touch. Um, and so not knowing what was going to happen with the pandemic, how bad, you know, like information changed every day about how you contracted it or how, how deadly it was or all these different things. Like I couldn't keep up with how the pandemic was going, how that was going to affect our business and how it affected the fact that I had nothing to love and take care of at the moment. Cause I didn't have a team of people. I didn't have, you know, like right. I am a nurturer by nature and th- that was crippling to me. Um, so about I guess April 1st, I, uh, adopted Bowie. Um, he's my rescue dog. He's a rat terrier to weenie mix and uh, a great love of my life. Now, after about six months, yeah. we've uh, been together. So, and yeah. my little Ruth Barker Ginsburg oh, is Bowie's offspring baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so crazy, but yeah, we have, a father and daughter dog combo now. Um, they do love each other. They do love each other. They're, uh, learning to cohabitate a little bit, you know, when they're around each other and it's super sweet, but having a rescue dog was like all encompassing for a little bit because he was definitely, um, a little aggressive and scared like rescue dogs tend to be. Well, and it's different from teeny, your poodle, poodle, because you had raised her from a puppy. I had her from six weeks. Yeah. Going from raising a dog, you know, from puppy life, when you're all they know, Mm -hmm. you got Bowie who had a life before you. He was 10 months old when I got him. Yeah. So he was, uh, definitely had a different experience, but he helped me a lot just in respect to like, then I was on a schedule. Mm -hmm. Like we had to go outside, we had to go and walk, we had to do things, um, for him, which really helped me balance things out a little bit, but man, I'm telling you, nothing helped me as much. Um, as being able to reach out to people that I knew were there to right. support. So what was your quarantine like? Man, um, <laughs> I mean, it changed every day. Yeah. Um, so I have a four-year-old, Adelaide, and she's the freaking best. She is the best. But let me tell y'all, um, being a stay-at-home mom was never in my plan. Yeah. I like working. <laughs> I like getting out of the house. I like having adult conversations. And so then all of a sudden being quarantined with a, well, she was three at the time. She had her fourth birthday in April during the massive lockdown, which I had a ton of guilt about. Um, I probably watched frozen more times than I care to, but for the record, I'm a fan. Obviously. I mean, obviously it's a great movie, but I mean, we watched Frozen, Frozen 2, Inside Out, Onward. Y'all, 
If you haven't seen Onward, do it. But only when you need a good cry. When you need a good yeah. cry. Like it I ugly cried the first eight times I saw it. I was actually kind of pissed at you the first time I saw it because you said it was so good. And I was like, this is so good. I know. I know. It really was. It's worth a watch. But um, so Disney Plus yes. saved my life. Totally. Um, we blew bubbles in the driveway. We painted on the easel. We bought a bicycle. We had roller skates. We, I mean, but at the end of the day, there is nothing, nothing that keeps her satisfied. Especially when you can't enough. take her anywhere. Like, right. I mean, God, and I would just go on drives just to get her out of the house. And then she'd be like, can we go to the park? And I'd say, baby, you know, you know, we can't do that. And she'd say, is coronavirus there? Which breaks my heart because I don't want her worrying about that kind of right. stuff. But even at the age of three, she was so in tune to what was happening. She knew yes. that something shifted just yesterday, actually. We were driving and she said, mom, why are there so many cars out? Like it was new to her mm -hmm. to see such busyness activity. Yeah. Um, and so y'all quarantining with a four, the three, four year old is no joke. I, and especially while being depressed, it so, was such a struggle. Depressed, I think is a, it's a big word. It is a big word and it is a broad word. It's different for everybody. It is. Um, but but I, for you and I, I feel like we kind of like almost every day we would roll reverse a little bit where <laughs> we the would. days where I was calling you sobbing and do I have money to go spend $3,000 on a new dog? You know, like that was the day where you tended to be on an uptick a little bit, right. you know, and Absolutely, then vice yeah. versa. When you were having really hard days were days that I was able to be there and support you. But all of these things were not in person. We all had an intense phone. text message, uh, relationship during quarantine. <laughs> um, I want to say on average, we probably sent 15 to 25 memes back and forth to each other every day. Save my life. I mean, cause <laughs> the comic relief of some of them or the dark, uh, humor levity <laughs> of what was going on. Um, there was a lot of things maybe that we sent to each other that I would not be compelled to share on air right now. Um, yeah. because we have kind of that funny dark relationship where we get each other. Um, so yeah, knowing that somebody got me mm -hmm. and knowing that I could be like, cause for all intents and purposes, I feel like I got my shit together most days in most respects, you know, like I hold it together pretty well on the surface. Yeah, you do. Um, but I was not holding it together very well. You were not. I was not. <laughs> and the, there are only a handful of people in my lives, save, you know, my husband, my brother, my parents, you know, and my besties that see me in that yeah. space sometimes. Um, and so even though you didn't see me, like you could obviously hear that I was not okay. Not okay. And same, you know, um, I, I, had this goal to kind of purge my house, you know, during quarantine, because right. what else was I doing? Yeah. So I was going to donate everything I own to Mission Arlington. And, you know, I think that you tried your best to hold me not accountable. Like, did you get it done? Why aren't you doing it? But from a loving, you know, well, do you need help? Right. I can help you. And I just remember telling you, like, I don't even like, nothing against you. I just, I can't even have you over because I can't even fathom going to the door and opening it to let you in. Cause right. I just wanted to lay in bed and mm -hmm. cry. And it, it was a grief so heavy. Well, and I can't imagine having a child, you know, like, because you were only able to experience that at times where you didn't have Adelaide with you, you know? Right. And so, so much of your like, hold it together and make everything okay. Like you were being a mom you yeah. know? And yeah. so Which, in the opportunity, for the record, y'all, I was not so great at the social distancing aspect. I definitely still took my kid like to grandparents' houses because right. I needed the break. Yeah. Like I couldn't, everybody couldn't did what they could yeah. with what they had, but that when you had an opportunity to just feel what you needed to feel and not worry about her watching you feel yes. that like, yeah, 
Well, yeah. So, you know, those times when I would take Adelaide to either set of grandparents' Mm -hmm. house, you know, I'd tell Laurie, yeah, I'm going to do my bedroom today or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And then she'd check in with me and I'd be like, girl, I just laid in bed and I couldn't even bring myself Mm -hmm. to do anything because it was just so heavy. Yeah. Um, which, uh, kind of leads us into, you know, my realization when we all went back. Right. So one thing that I think is interesting about everybody, cause you know, quarantine times and limits and how, um, how disciplined you were at leaving your house or not leaving your house was different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I still went to work and did curbside delivery of retail right. products. And, you know, like maybe once a week or twice a week anything at the most, you to know, get out of the house. I was an excuse. texting clients. What do you need? Right. Totally. What can I do for you? Um, so we did get <laughs> out a little bit yeah. and, but, and I feel like, you know, two and a half months was the longest that I have ever not worked since I started working as an adult. Um, but one thing that everybody, no matter who you are or how much time you spend at home seems to be the same is that when all the busy things in your life are gone, so you don't have to go to work, um, you've cleaned the kitchen, you know, like you've done all the laundry, Mm -hmm. you've cleaned the closets, you've worked in the garden, you know, like the dog's been fed, everything's done. Like what's left when you remove all that busy from your life and you have no choice, but to like sink really deep and see what do I have if I take away all of these other things? And I remember one thing that was so glaring to me when I could get really quiet and really connect to what was left was that I had so many things inside of me that I knew needed to come out. Yeah. One of those things was this podcast. Um, one of those things was that I am a writer and that I've always had like a side hustle, uh, writing, I'm writing several books, you know, like I've always wanted to have a blog, which is so funny because that's not something hard to have. Like people all, (laughs) millions of people have blogs everywhere. You know, I've just never. for some reason it's really hard for us because both of us had talked about blogs for a long time. That I had these things that I knew I wanted to pursue, but that I hadn't been pursuing because I was so busy. Right. You're always busy. I'm always busy. Um, And that that really connected to this idea of like, I was disappointed in myself, you know, like I had, um, that realization that I hadn't been acting on those things. And that the only reason why was that I kept saying that I was too busy to do it. And then you're left with this quiet and you're like, what have I done with my life? Right. Like what, what am I going to do with my life? And I remember there were so many phone conversations of you and I crying Mm -hmm. and worrying about the future of the salon industry saying, well, we have to touch people. Yeah. What's going to happen. And I mean, that may sound overdramatic to some people. It wasn't, it wasn't. And I feel like it was totally valid that, um, you know, Georgia was one of the first states to reopen. Mm -hmm. And so that was a state that we were watching closely with their guidelines and what they were making their stylists do. And it was scary. They were in full PPE gear, like paper gowns, masks, masks, hoodies, plastic shields, like the whole gig, like everything looking like they're prepping for surgery, you know, and how, um, because we work in a salon environment that, um, we are a little higher end, higher end. And so value added, we have value added services where we do massages and hot towels and hand massages and makeup touch-ups and the indulgence of a makeup touch-up and all these little extra things that we were like, so that's off the table now. If you take that away, (laughs) then people can get a haircut at anywhere, anywhere. Right. We won't name names, but you could get a haircut anywhere and not pay what I charge, let's say. But, um, that all of those bells and whistles added to the value of what we provide, which, you know, obviously your hair has to look fantastic when you're coming to get your hair done, but it's also about how you feel at the end of that service. And, um, the nurture aspect of what we do with people sometimes is just as powerful as how they look when they walk out the door. And without that, I was, I'm not gonna lie guys. I was scared. Okay. Like we were terrified of what that meant 
for our industry, for our industry, for our careers. And, um, so that really got our wheels spinning with, we, we have to do something else. And even, you know, if this podcast doesn't make us money or go anywhere, it's a, um, a passion project of ours that we can feel good about absolutely, and create a community. Well, and that nurture, I think so often I connected it to this idea of like physical things that we do every day in our careers where we take care of people physically. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the things that we were always really passionate about with starting this podcast is that we wanted to care for people in a emotional aspect or a mental aspect, which a lot of times happens when you're behind the chair or when you're doing somebody's makeup, like people feel connected to you in a way that they are sharing with you things that they might not share with any other person. And and, and y'all as a hairstylist and Laurie as a makeup artist will tell you the minute you touch someone Mm -hmm. and you know, I want to, say like good touch. Cause you're right. right. Like our doctors touch us, totally. our dentists touch us, mm-hmm. but that's more like, Oh, painful clinical. or clinical. Yeah. Um, but when you're, you know, image having is, self care, yeah. mm-hmm. people automatically just spill. Mm-hmm. And so when we ended up reopening, um, on May 12th, which was actually earlier than anticipated. Um, I had this huge epiphany and realization. So that was before the statewide mandate. We were, um, you know, told by the cosmetology board, of course, to wear masks and that our clients should wear masks and all those things. But this was before Governor Abbott came in and said, nope, across the board, you know. Um, that, you know, I, I have a lot of guests that I don't necessarily agree with. I mean, as a general rule, we don't really talk about right. politics and or it should, religion well, and all that stuff. Let me say it should be a general rule. Totally. When I was in beauty school, they said, you do not discuss sex, religion, and politics with your guests. Yeah. 2020, that's all off the table. I mean, everybody discusses everything and they don't care how you feel about it. They will tell you how they feel about it. So when this all started happening, obviously you all know everyone had a lot of feelings, many feelings. Um, And so having to professionally um, contain those feelings was a little different, but what I realized was that no matter across the board, whether you were pro mask, anti mask, whether you took COVID seriously or you thought it was a hoax, no matter where you were on this spectrum at the core of it, the beautiful thing that came out of it for me was that we are all grieving something. Yes. And that was heavy for me. And I remember telling you like, man, you know, so-and-so said this and I so connected with it and -and so-and-so said this and I didn't so much connect with that, but at the root of it, look at what they're going through, Right, you know, that we're all grieving the lives that we used to have. And it may be for different reasons that we have the grief, but the feeling is the same and that there is this very hard line of like, before COVID, after COVID, you know, even now, I think it's funny, like to watch TV. I see people do things on TV that I'm like, they clearly filmed that before COVID, you know, like, (laughs) because things are so different now in respect to uh, behaviors. Um, But yeah, that collectively as humans, we are social animals, you know, and to have that taken away from you um, was an affront to what we were all used to. And so it didn't matter what you were grieving, that grief was a really big part of, uh, what I was going through and what our yeah. team and our clients were going through, you know, like yeah, things just look so different you know, on the other end. Even, even the guests that I had that may have been a little snippy with me mm-hmm. over the masks or, um, you know, lady spit at me outside I remember that. when I asked yeah. her to put a mask on before she yeah. came into the salon, you know, like, um, and you know, like, uh, for the record all nine out of 10 of my guests were like, whatever, I'll wear a hazmat suit. Just 99. do my hair. Like, yeah. So I'm not saying this was like a recurring terrible thing, but every so often I, I do have still to this day, mm. 
guests who, you know, we're wearing masks and I'll offer them some water and they'll be like, well, you know, I can't drink water through my mask anyway. You know, and I'm like, do you really think that I would offer you water if I wouldn't let you drink it? Right. Like common sense y'all, but whatever they're hurting. Yes. They're grieving. And I don't defend <laughs> treating service providers that way, but I do think that we all need to give each other a little grace. Totally. And that grace is so important right now because I even, um, being the rule follower, I am, you know, these, these rules and mandates don't really bother me so much. Um, I'm just like, just tell me what to do and like, whatever, I'll get through it no matter how I feel about it. Um, that even then I find myself getting, I don't want to say angry, but, I'll be like, I remember a time when I didn't have to do this. And, you know, like I, I, I'm grieving what life was before. And that's hard for anybody. It is. And I think that it, it'll swing back the other direction. You know, like we're still not even a year out from all of this coming down the way that it does. Um, I'm interested in the way that things will progress over the next couple of years as far as that. Um, but I also think that because of what we do for a living, uh, we, we were not an essential service, you know, like, but then when we came back, I mean, talk about stand in line around the building to get in the door. Like oh, people yeah. were so ready to get their hair done again, you know, and then there was this other cross section of people that were not ready yet, you know, like and still, and still to this are, day, not ready, you are know? not ready to come in and, and probably won't be through the end of the year. No, I don't expect to see yeah. Yeah, a lot. And that's okay, but yeah, it absolutely, is it's okay. very interesting to me how, um, even in my own preferences, like I remember the first time it was okay for me to like, go get my nails done again. Yeah. And that that felt like, and you're like, what is this? Okay. Like, should I be doing this? Is this (laughs) a bad idea? You know? And, um, but that obviously the ladies that do my nails were super safe and and hyper aware, just like we were at the salon of trying to create an environment where we're licensed to, you know, keep things sanitary and to not, uh, you know, spread viruses and disease, you know, and that they are in the same boat that we were in and to be able to support people whose incomes, are based around creating personal care services that we can't do from home, um, that everybody's going to have a different level of comfort with that. Um, and so like you were saying, just showing as much grace and support as we can, because really before COVID, I didn't know how you felt about most of these things and that that's okay. That when you don't know, um, all the deepest opinions of everybody's heart and mind, right? You know, like you got to lean in. I've learned more about my guests through these few oh, yeah. months that I never really anticipated learning. Um, and I think more than anything, what I've learned through this process is, um, yes, grace, but just, you know, you do you yeah, and understanding, totally. you know, um, allowing I think it's important. What I have learned is to hold space for people no matter where they are and to say, you know, that I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah. And I don't even have to say, I think you're crazy. I don't agree with it, but I'm here for you. And if that's how you're feeling, feel it, feel it girl. And you know, just work through it because we're all working through something heavy right now. Well, this idea of holding space for people I've really been connected to lately because to hold space for someone doesn't mean that you have to say anything. Mm -mm. You don't have to do anything. Mm -mm. All you are is present. Yeah. And in your presence, you can empathize with how they're feeling no matter what you think of it. Right. You see their struggle and that holding a space for them to struggle and you just being there with them is invaluable in times like now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so important for us to resist the need to put our two cents into the story or to silver line it right, Ugh, and to I, make it okay. Like I used to be a silver liner. I'm, it, I want to make it better. Yeah. Can I fix it for you? Like, right. Yeah, no, <laughs> you don't have to fix it. Like right. just be present and hold space right. for people to have whatever experience that they're having. And Sometimes that's the magic. You just need to sit there and say, that sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Like, right. Yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah. So, okay. We made it through quarantine. Yeah. We got back to work. We did. Um, um, but what helped, you know, what helped, what helped was, well, first of all, knowing that it was okay for me to be wherever I was that day. Yes. Like when I, 
honestly, like getting Bowie and, and rescuing the dog probably had more to do with my husband than it even did me because he got to a point where he couldn't come home anymore and see me in the space that I, I was know. in, you know, like yeah. he could see that you were struggling. I was really having a hard time. Um, yeah. and so uh, Bowie came from a friend of his that he actually works with, you know, and, uh, we got that opportunity and he didn't really talk to me much about it. He just brought him home, you know, and we started that. So to know that it was that vulnerability piece is, um, really big to the healing part of it. I didn't realize how much I hadn't healed from losing my dog in December, you know, until I was in a space where I had no choice, but to deal with that. And, um, and then of course, you know, getting a new dog and having a lot of guilt about, well, I don't love him as much as I loved Martini, you know, and, and that those, uh, feelings that we had to go through and get through to get to where we are today. You know, like I couldn't have done that unless I had people that were willing to support me when I couldn't be the totally put together Laurie right. Wallace, you know? No, and I mean, yeah, absolutely. Huge. Like, I mean, yes, I had my family, but I think that at the end of the day, like what saved my sanity is because, you know, some of my family, we don't see eye to eye mm-hmm. on this whole COVID quarantine situation. Um, but a lot of my friends, you know, we have very similar outlooks. So I know that I can always call you right. and that you hold that space for me. Um, I can always call Jackie. I yeah. can always call Robert. I can yeah. always call Mandy, yes. you know, and that we have these friends of ours that, um, just saved us, yeah. you know, ride or die, man, the zoom yeah. happy hours yes. and which I actually miss. Um, <laughs> when we did them, I was like, we should do this every week anyway, right. even if we go back to work, like, um, it's good. the zoom happy hours were just so awesome. But what I, I guess what I became so grateful for was this tribe mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this, that, I started realizing that mine and Laurie's tribe is not like a lot of other tribes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I I think I have taken for granted, um, especially over the last like 10 to 15 years, that I have this really close network of uh, lady friends that we celebrate each other on a level that is that makes other people uncomfortable sometimes. So I can... <laughs> I can tell one of my friends that you look hot today. Like right. check you out. I love it. Like, right. And that tell, calling each other goddess and, um, celebrating the, uh, the parts of each other that maybe we know the other is insecure about, yes. you know, like being the, a love cat, Yes, they, um, which may be a future episode. We have a friend yes. named Danielle who <laughs> is aggressively complimentary yes, and kind. Is. And we definitely want to talk to her about that in a way where you think she's putting moves on you sometimes <laughs> for a minute when in reality, she's not right. She's just, she like, just embraces that part of damn people. it. You're yeah. so amazing. Yes. Like, you know, or, damn, look at your ass in those pants. They look great. <laughs> yes. You know, like Danielle is really good at, um, telling you something that you didn't even know you needed to hear <laughs> right? that like boosts you up a little bit. And that I really took for granted that a lot of women have that in their lives. Right. Because then I caught myself doing those things to other women right. and they'd be like, what? Ooh, like, you. Yeah. And they kind of look at you in this weird way. Um, I know that embracing the platonic love between women is something that is almost uh, taboo. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, even to clients sometimes yeah. I'll be like, look at you, you goddess look at her and they they're looking at me like I'm insane and I'm like what you don't have people call you goddess like I do that on the daily um you know and I realize like that there are some women in my life that you know are peers of mine that I may say those things to and they're like what (laughs) and so I feel like so much of badass ladies club was this idea that if I didn't have that in my life with the people who are closest to me that I couldn't be who I am on the daily. I definitely could not have survived and made it through something like quarantine with COVID without that in my life. And that if it's so important to me and it's so important to you and to the people in our orbit like that, that we've got to share this. Like we have to perpetuate it. We have to move it forward and make it something that is not taboo anymore. Right. That, 
we want people to be used to it in the way that we are um, because of what it's meant to our own growth. Yeah. um, And I think for as long as we've wanted to do this podcast, we we've wanted to always explore healing and growth and encourage ourselves and others to empower ourselves to be unapologetically ourselves. And I think that with friends that you can just say that kind of shit too. Yeah. It, uh, it really helps. And that's so much easier said than done. Oh God. Yes. Because you can like, I've always heard that, like, just be yourself, you know, like the answer is always to be yourself or, you know, it only works if you surround yourself with people that hold that space for you. Well, and that will allow you to be yourself, whoever that turns out to be. Right. Because whoever you are is different from moment to moment based on how much you understand about what's going on around you and about how you react to things. And so this idea of healing and personal growth and development means that I don't even know who I'm going to be next week, but I know whoever that is that you have my back no matter what. And that that is the magic of having people around you that can help you grow and support where you're not afraid of stepping into who you're becoming. Um, because you can't do that without walking into some fear and walking into some uncertainty and being fearful of judgment, you know, that's going to come to you from wherever it is. And a lot of times those things aren't real either. A lot of times those are just shit in your head that you get caught up in that keeps you from stepping into the next step. Um, but having a circle of lady friends around me that I know, even when I'm scared, even when I'm messy, even when I screw up and do something that's maybe not quite on my path, that all of that is fair game and part of the process and totally okay. I'm braver. I'm more inclined to go there. And that that is what we want for everybody and for this club and for this podcast, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, we just want, you know, everyone to be more kind to one another because we can understand each other. Yeah. You don't have to like it to understand it and hold space for it, man. And so it kind of um, shifts into where we're going with the future of Badass Ladies Club. So we definitely want feedback on if something you heard uh, in our episode today struck a chord with you or resonated with you, you can relate to it, then definitely let us know. Um, We've got the Instagram page at Badass Ladies Club, uh, Facebook Badass Ladies Club. There's going to be lots of other social platforms that are going to come up in the coming weeks where you guys can interact with us. But tell us what your feedback is. Definitely get on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave us a review. Leave us a review. Subscribe. Send it to your friends and family because your involvement in the Badass Ladies Club is going to have a lot to do with the direction of what we talk about in the future. Um, Trust me, we go 10 rounds on Friday nights talking about all the things that we could talk about. (laughs) Um, We have lots of ideas, but the ideas that are going to surface and then are going to turn into actual episodes are going to have a lot to do with what our audience wants to hear. So, um, and know that you are all badasses for sure. No matter where you happen to be in your process, we are the first to say we are figuring this out from moment to moment to, uh, we are definitely not experts. We are not, uh, counselors or therapists. Um, we are just out here, just a couple hairdressers and makeup artists step for step. (laughs) Um, but that, uh, together we can uh, make badass things happen. We're already doing it. Um, and I think that badass is, an attitude and a mindset. Absolutely. And to live that is pretty powerful. Cheers, Lynn. Cheers. Here's episode one. Episode one. There we go.